Well, that's not good. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Baylor. I'm Drake Toll with Sports Illustrated's Inside the Bears at Drake C. Toll on Twitter or at Inside the Bears. Thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Saturday was not good. There's no, there's like no two ways around it. Just not a very good game. Not very well played on both sides of the ball in certain aspects. I thought the defense was solid. I thought the offense really left a lot of holes and a lot of big question marks. And we'll hit all of that. The offense to open, the defense in the middle of the show. We'll hear from Dave Aranda, his thoughts at the end of the show. But I want to start here. That atmosphere in Provo, Utah on Saturday. Not only is the game kicking off at like midnight, but you get 65,000 screaming BYU fans, and they are really, really loud. It's the best fan engagement that I've seen in college athletics anywhere. There was not a point in time where there wasn't music blasting, fans screaming, something going on on the field to get everybody engaged. At one point in the game, they brought out three Polynesian guys, shirts off. They had fire sticks twirling them around the middle of the field between the third and the fourth quarter to get the crowd into it. Uh, how you play, how you win in that environment, especially with a younger quarterback and a younger team altogether, it would take a lot. Not to say Baylor has an excuse because of the environment, but I first want to say it was nuts. It's an effective death sentence when you go to Provo, Utah, and that's what you're met with in a night game. And on the flip side of that, that's good news because Baylor doesn't suck. You, you've got to get it. Some people struggle with this a lot on Saturday, too. You've got to get it in into the, the processing system that Baylor doesn't suck at football just, just because of this game. They lost to a BYU team that's now top 15 in the AP poll and a team that deserves to be there. They could run the table, go 10-2, 11-1, even 12-0 on their season, and I truly believe they're one of the better teams in college football. Jaron Hall is a really good quarterback. What I saw, my own two eyes on Saturday, wholly impressed with a lot of the stuff that that guy did. That's where the conversation then starts for Baylor, too. Jaron Hall, compared to Blake Shapin, was night and day. Blake Shapin wasn't very good on Saturday. I, I have liked everything that I've seen from Blake Shapin. I really have. But if I'm going to be transparent, Blake Shapin just wasn't that guy on Saturday. You can try to pin it on the, on the staff, try to pin it on Jeff Grimes, the offensive line. But my telltale with Shapin he showed how one-dimensional he is in comparison to Gary Bohannon. Now, I'm not here to play that comparison game because Gary Bohannon is gone. That can't be changed. However, his one dimension, throwing the football, wasn't on point, and it's all he's going to do. Baylor, if they, run, if they run any option play, the defense knows that Blake Shapin's not going to carry the football. He didn't get out of the pocket and create space, create plays very well at all on Saturday and just showed that he's an average at best ball carrier, and it's not going to be very effective on the run. That's okay. Maybe Jeff Grimes and company don't ask him to run the football a lot. That's kind of the situation you put yourself into now at this point because he's just not that effective on the ground. But you become one-dimensional in that BYU was all 
over Baylor's receivers with the secondary, understanding that their defensive line could clean up Blake Shapin whenever they wanted to. And not only that, Blake Shapin was going to hold the ball long enough for the defensive line to be able to get to him. There are so many plays that were blown up because Shapin, he said it last week in the postgame press conference, holds onto the ball too long, waits for plays just a little too long, and by the time he's ready to do whatever he wants to do, whether it's run or throw, he doesn't have time, he takes a sack, he makes a bad throw, he rushes something, and it just doesn't work out. Early in the first half, too, you can tell he was staring down receivers a lot. You knew where he was going to go, and he didn't go to the receiver he was staring down. He's going to check down a little drag route two yards deep past the line of scrimmage, and the guy gets blown up. That was just key one in the offense this week. Blake Shapin only being able to throw the football completely takes the element of a mobile quarterback out of the game and gives BYU the opportunity to be stuck like glue on young Baylor wide receivers. Moreover, another reason that I thought, and I'll say this transparently too, I was going to open the show today and defend Blake Shapin, but the more that I watched the film in this game, he just didn't have a very good game. That's going to happen. A telltale again, he didn't necessarily miss wildly bad wide receivers all night long, super inaccurate, whatever, but he missed them and put them in dangerous spots. Here's what I mean. Those two-yard drag routes, so many times you have a receiver or a running back coming across the middle of the field in the teeth of the defense, and he throws a ball high. He throws a ball way out in front of them. They're effectively defenseless and get clocked. You know how many Baylor receivers got hammered, like thrown around on Saturday. Huge physical hits from BYU defensive players, not because they were putting themselves in that scenario, but because they're coming across the middle of the field, jumping up to catch a ball, jumping out to catch a ball. There's a defender right there to hammer them. That's shaping missing passes that have to go to the bread basket. And when he's missing those, you're not going to gain a lot of yards. They didn't. Those two-yard drag routes were good for two yards, three yards. They didn't go anywhere. You didn't see a lot of the deep ball either from Shapin. And again, you didn't see him run the football. Negative 22 rushing yards. You, where you were sitting watching the game on Saturday, had more rushing yards than Blake Shapin. Now, I'm, I'm not just going to pin it all on him either. I had question marks too. Somebody texted me in the middle of the game was like, are, are they going to run the same play every down? I don't think that was necessarily the case. In the second half, Baylor was limited to running the football. Blake Shapin just didn't have it on Saturday. So they had to run the football. And what is your best strength? Your offensive lines. So you've got to power the football off right tackle, off left tackle, find a way to get the ball up the middle somehow, or just short gains. Baylor trying to go around the outside, it, it just wasn't working effectively, efficiently, consistently. So you've got to go up the middle and use your big bodies up front. Look, you gain four yards every play. I'm fine with that. I was wholly impressed. I saw some tweets about this too. I think Travis, uh, Travis Roeder put it out there too. He was really impressed with Squirrel Williams. 17 carries, 68 yards. I love what Quaylen Jones gave. 16 carries, 67 yards, two touchdowns. Those guys in tandem were really solid offensively, and I thought the offensive line did a decent job. I will not accept a ton of offensive line slander this week because those guys are going in the trenches against some big bodies with BYU and a physical team, and I thought they did pretty well. Times of Blake Shapin got sacked. A few of those are on him. Guys holding on to the ball too long. The guy's so one-dimensional that the secondary can focus solely on receivers, and that gives you less of an opportunity to find an open man. Therefore, I'm putting this instead on quarterback play more so than I am play calling, offensive line, the run game, because I, I, I like it. When your running backs 
are playing at that level when they're powering the football up the middle, they're gaining three yards of play. That's what you want. That's kind of what Dave Aranda is, is that old school ball coach type. He's okay with that. And I'm okay with that. Baylor had three scoring drives in the second half that were six minutes or longer. If you sustain that throughout the game, you are absolutely in business. So this is a team that's in a spot where you've got to learn a lot offensively about who your quarterback is. I still think Blake Shapin's the right, the right call. And maybe he comes, he definitely comes out next week against Texas State and lights those guys up for a gajillion. And in a couple of weeks against Iowa State, he's gonna have to prove it again on the road. Did the atmosphere get to him? Did the the outside world get to him? By the way, these guys all go to classes. Like Blake Shapin's girlfriend's birthday was on Saturday. And that's a weird aside, and I bet it had nothing to do with the game, but that's stuff that these guys have to deal with. They're regular college kids, too. So there could be any number of factors of why Blake Shapin just didn't have his best game on Saturday. It doesn't make him a bad quarterback. He could come back and be better the next couple of weeks, and I wholly expect him to, especially after a really intense week of watching film. But that that still is where you got to pin it. That. That's where you got to pin it offensively on Saturday. I I can't squarely in good faith put this on Jeff Grimes because albeit sure, there were some play calls where you're scratching your head and going, wow, how? But when your quarterback doesn't have it, that's a big, that that's a big, big problem. And penalties. I, I've gone on and on enough about Chapin and how I thought he played on Saturday. The, the penalties too were bad. Four false starts. You literally the offensive line from center on, you know the count. You are the the people, the five guys, along with your quarterback, who, who know when the ball is going to be snapped. Four of those is like three way too many, four too many in general. And that that's like the sloppy stuff that just can't happen. Atmosphere. Yes, that plays a total factor into it. 65,000 fans, it was just loud. 116 decibels, like not safe for your ears in Provo. But wow, you that's like the one thing. Dave Aranda said they've been practicing since January for that atmosphere. You cannot false start. You cannot false start. I'm screaming to the void, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. You all understand that. God bless. I hope that drove you as crazy as it did me. And, and Aranda said that too. So many young guys making young mistakes. And he, he mentioned how fans at home probably threw down whatever they had in their hands because they were so upset. Yeah. Penalties upon penalties upon penalties. The offense, especially the holding calls, just agreed. Just look at the holding where I think a squirrel makes his way inside the five yard line in that first overtime, puts you in position to score a touchdown, and it gets called back because one of your senior leaders in, in, uh, in, in, Ben Sims gets called for a penalty, gets called for the hold. All that put together. Offense gets like a, a D, D grade for the week, for sure, right? That I just, there was like not a lot going on where I thought, all right, that's really solid. Not to say, though, there's not much to build on going into next week. Defensive side of the ball was a lot better. I'll tell you about that after I tell you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. Great place to go for all your sports betting and sports wagering needs. Uh, very profitable weekend. Very profitable weekend. Thanks to the lines, the the podcast, all the help that BetOnline actually gives you. Number one source for pro and college football. So the NFL going on right now. 
college football, obviously check all the lines. Baylor, 31-point favorites against Texas State coming up this weekend as well. It is the A1 source for sports betting, whether it's MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. Defensive side of the football. Yes. <laughs> BYU, granted Puka Nakua was out. I'll give you that. Gunnar Romney was out. I'll give you that too. They are still a machine. A machine. And Baylor was really physical defensively. Like They put a whoop on some boys. I'm going to say something controversial to get this one out of the way. The the targeting they that they called on Dylan Doyle, it was a targeting. I I was pretty confident they got that call correct. You just that his his head's coming up at a uh, a receiver who's defenseless. I get that it's it's football. Like when are we going to be able to play football and it just be football? But that's the way the rules written. That's just like when you look at the rule book, that is what a targeting is. I see why they called it, and it's fine. You have to play through it. You can't change that now. What what I liked defensively, though, again, the physicality was there. Matt Jones was impeccable. Eight tackles, had a sack, had a tackle for loss, had a pass breakup. I thought he stepped up, even though he had that defensive pass interference that was pretty egregious, jumped on a guy's back. He stepped up in a big way, especially without having Dylan Doyle, your senior leader out there. Uh, Devin Lemire had a couple of tackles as well. He's a freshman safety. Al Walcott, a few tackles, a couple of pass breakups. I know he wasn't perfect in coverage, but across the board, Devin Neal, TJ Franklin, Cole Maxwell. Hopefully Franklin also is okay. Those guys made me really confident what the defense has moving forward. Physical, big body, they they were able to get it done at the defensive front as well. A lot better, in my opinion, than they did last week. Siaki Ika, Gabe Hall, Jackson Player getting pressure on the quarterback. It felt like Jaron Hall. The pocket never truly collapsed, really, but he was constantly under pressure. Now, that those are really good superlatives for a unit that still ultimately lost the ball game. They did have... I'll give you another bright spot too, because I, I just I could rave about the defense for a while, really. Three separate three and outs on the same BYU possession there late, where BYU marches down the field um, it, with like six minutes to go. Baylor ultimately gets the ball back before they give the ball back to BYU for that last missed field goal before before you go to overtime. That 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 grit defensively said a lot to me, and the one the glaring thing that I circled secondary on two minute drill. BYU scored in a minute and 35 seconds going into halftime. It felt like when they wanted to take the top off over the top, they could do it. A big part of that is you're missing Jalen Petrie and you're missing Terrell Bernard. Don't want to make excuses because you're without guys that are NFL caliber players. Uh, so it's obvious that there's going to be a learning curve there when those guys are not in the game. But Jaron Hall could could launch the ball deep, could get outside the pocket and run. Siaki Ika, Gabe Hall. Jackson Player, Garvin Randolph, these guys aren't as fast as Jaron Hall. If they get good pressure, the pocket starts to collapse, Hall's able to get to the outside. You have to have then have somebody like a Jalen Petrie who can not only play in coverage, but be right there in the quarterback's face in an instant. Baylor doesn't have that right now. There, there's not that guy who's inside, outside, in your face, still in coverage, that's almost everywhere on the field. That's what Jalen Petrie, Troll Bernard were. They were everywhere on the field at all times. There weren't a lot of those guys for Baylor on Saturday. And that's why the poor secondary after especially Poffenbarger for flipping Albany ran the football decently well. They're thinking, ah, oh, shoot, 
I've got to be in coverage on this receiver, but also what if the quarterback runs and what do I, I mean, if the play breaks down that I got to go try to tackle that guy. And it felt like the secondary was just, I don't know if confused is the right word, it's word at times, but almost like they were overstimulated to where Hall would chunk the ball deep and he was completing it at a decent rate when they wanted to. That was the weird part to me too. Did you notice this? It's like when BYU, it felt like when BYU really wanted to complete a pass, they really wanted to score, really wanted to get a first down. They did it at a pretty solid rate. Uh, but but then, you know, in just the game overall, the passing game wasn't spectacular. The runner, the run game was held to like three yards per carry or less. It was just odd how BYU was, was almost clutch-ish where they needed to be aside from their special teams. Outside of that, though, I, th- I thought the defense was solid. I give the defense an A minus, maybe a B plus. Yeah, they held BYU 50 points against USF to 20 points in regulation, uh, that touchdown in overtime, and a couple missed kicks. All that put together, offense, bad. Just just not good Saturday. Just not good. If I'm going to be, if you're objective about it, that is where Baylor lost the game. You held an opponent to 20 points in the in in regulation. You have to score more than 20 points. Missed PAT. That sucked. Little mistakes, the penalties. Yes, all of that put together. But still, your offense has to put you in a position. Your quarterback, to an extent, yes, your OC, your O-line, your running back, nobody's completely exempt in a position to score more than 20 points. If you told me that BYU is always going to score 20 in regulation, I put my, this house, this room you see right here, I have an eight-bedroom house. I only live in one of the bedrooms. The other are for seven other guys. I put this house down and be able to win. Your offense has to give you more than that. They have to. There's no, there's like no two ways around it. Easy for me to say. I get it. But that's just, uh, BYU gifted you. We're only going to score 20 points. What can you do offensively? And Baylor said, ah, we'll take 20 of our own, send it to OT and miss a field goal. All right. Soapbox over. Offense, no. Defense, yes. Atmosphere, wow. Unbelievable. And just take, take into account how wild that game was. Like, it's 12.30 just for a second. Think about how blessed you are, even though Baylor lost, to have watched a game against such a respectable opponent that was so good. A classic in college football, a game that BYU and Baylor fans alike will talk about for years to come that is now a part of a budding rivalry. The rivalry is solidified. The altercation, whatever you want to call it, count yourself blessed for the atmosphere that Baylor fans got to witness, whether on TV or in the stadium, count yourself blessed for the level of competition that Baylor and BYU both played because it looked like two big, physical, fast teams going blow for blow at each other. Everything put together in this one was just magical. It was sloppy at times. It was gross at times. There were a lot of penalties. BYU's defense kept blocking illegally or whatever that was but just the majesty of college football that we saw this weekend and Baylor-BYU being a part of that, even in a loss, there are a lot of great takeaways, a lot that Baylor can learn from this. That's a big part of what Dave Aranda talked about in his post-game press conference. We'll take you there now. Coach, what you got for us? It's good to see you guys. Um, yeah, I just got, got through with the team, so very proud of their effort and their heart. Um, you know, I... I mean, what I told them was, I mean, there is plenty of opportunities for um, a lot of individuals or maybe a lot of teams to um, to either quit or turn it down or 
to um, to not keep not to continue to give effort and not to continue to fight. And so right up until that last play, you know, that fourth down, I think everyone on our sidelines thinking we're going to win. And that's just way special. I think there's a lot of work that you have to do to get to that point. And uh, I told them you have to fight for that, you know. You know, um, I mean, there's going to be wins and losses, but, um, you know, a bigger loss would be if we lose that belief and we lose that uh, connection, you know, if it gets... Uh, twisted or soured or you know gets disconnected that would be a big loss and so we'll continue to fight uh, so that uh, we can fight for each other like we did tonight you know wait um, you know disappointed in our lack of discipline um, you know um, reminds me a little bit of the the Oklahoma State game a year ago you know that game was more of um, more of a um, kind of a break and kind of a frustration, kind of a breakdown. We, we would call that playing red. And didn't really feel that tonight. I felt like um, we were able to kind of hold our composure, but just thought that, um, you know, we have to be able to, to, to not hold on critical pass downs. We've got to be able to build play through the down and not have a pass interference on critical downs. You know, I, you know, we have 14 penalties, which is way, way too much. You know, I think we go into these tough environments. You know, this is the first of a couple. It's really kind of colored this whole season. It's going to be this. And, um, you know, it's one thing to be able to play an opponent, um, a real worthy and, and, um, and good opponent, but we can't be playing them and us. And we were doing that basically the whole game. And so, you know, we can get better for, uh, in that regard for sure. You know, I have to do a better job um, because it's something that we've been talking about, but we, we're not doing. And so we've got to make the connections there. But with that, I'll take any questions you guys got. Dave, you mentioned the discipline. Were the two false starts on the last drive particularly tough to see in that situation? Yeah, there, I mean, a lot of it was, you know, because I, I have to imagine if you're a fan, you're just kind of, you know, you're throwing down your whatever you got in your hand when that goes on. And it's just, you know, I think it's, um, you know, there is an understanding of when we go into tough spots that, you know, it's not, it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to hear everything. You're going to have to, the detail that you're going to have to have to whether, it's to, if it's seeing the ball in that case, or if it's, uh, you know, if it's a two-man coverage and it's third down in a while, and we lose contain, and you know we'd like to not lose contain, but if we do, so that 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 down is now extended, and you're thinking the ball's got to be out on time, and now it's not, to not hold and to not you know, not cheat that down. I think that you know, that pushes people to a uh, to a level of discipline that we're obviously not at, and so we have to get much better at. But I think a lot of it was disappointing, but it's all stuff that's correctable. Feel like the offense kind of got in a good groove finally there at the end of the first half, you know, with that scoring drive and start out the same way in the third quarter. Yeah, you know, I think you know um, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better, and so we were able to, you know, struggling with stuff, and, and there's, I think we were we were rattled some with just the crowd and just the energy and all of that, and. Um, I thought, you know, 
to not be thinking about like what we got to do, but like what we can drop, like what we're carrying with us, man. Drop all that, and you know you're enough, dude. And let's just play. I think a lot of that's kind of hard to hard to get across because you know guys get caught up with expectations and disappointments and all of it. And I thought we were able to 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 make some progress with that. And you could see guys kind of come back to life. And so that's just way cool. And I think that's, that is something to build off of. Because uh, like I say, this is the first of a couple. Dave, what was the atmosphere like in the, in the locker room post game? And how do you as the head coach dictate that? It was down, you know, going, um, walking into it. Guys were disappointed. Um, but I think, you know, um, there's a staff meet prior at the hotel um, during the day prior to all of this. And so the talk was, you know, we'd love to win this game. But I think more important than, um, or I should, I guess I should say, just as important as winning the game would be, you know, how we all respond. And so if, if a player does something that ain't great as a coach, let's, let's show, um, let's be, um, Let's be teachers, right? And let's use whatever just happened as an opportunity to get better. And so I, I just think, like, looking at it that way, because the thought is, again, you know, this is the first of a couple that we're going to be going into. And, um, you know, as much as this stings and all of it, you know, if it's used for the practice of the better, then um, let's, let's do that. But, and so I, I feel like throughout the game, Right, all of the the negative things that happened, I thought that we were able to kind of handle that and really work to try to transform that into something better. And so um, I'm proud of that, you know. And, and that kind of carries on with the post game talk. And so for guys to see, you know, it's, when you get into tough spots, it's easy to see it look like you're looking out of a straw. But if you open up the vision a little bit, you can see that this is just, you know, it's all part of it. And um, we've got some youth that got rattled, and you know uh, we'll be better for it. Thank you. Dave, how hard was it to lose Dylan when you did at that juncture? Yeah, I think you know um, that it was it was um, it it seemed like it kind of it it seemed like it was a um, like a, a bang bang play, which a lot of those are. And so um, you know, you look at the the replay of it, and he's lunging and leading with leading with all of it. So it's unfortunate to see. Um, a lot of times when it's a bang bang play like that, you get those. And so he was great. You know, the the ump came by and asked, "Hey, is he okay?" I think Dylan's got a reputation of um, not doing stuff like that. So I go, "This kind of out of this character for this dude. Is he okay?" And I say, "He's all right." And so Dylan was great on the sideline, just kind of being there for guys and everything like that. And, his opportunity for Tyrone, and uh, I thought he played well, you know. So a lot of learning today. That was Dave Aranda in the postgame press conference after the loss to BYU. Um, yeah, it's tough. It is. It, you watch that, and you think, all right, there's your hope for the rest of the season. The year is not over. Dave Aranda and these guys can put themselves in a solid position to at least still win 10 games. They're not out of the woods of winning 10 games. You learn a lot in that one. If you're going to lose one, I'd rather not be 11-0 and and lose in Austin in your last game of the season. I'd rather lose 
this week at BYU, take your lumps in week two, and then try to run the table the rest of the way. Do I think Baylor's going to run the table? Probably not, but that's okay in itself too. You got a lot out of to, out of Saturday's game. There's a lot to work with this week on Locked On Baylor. For the rest of the week, tomorrow especially, we're going to break down Blake Shapen. Again, there doesn't need to be a change. People who are saying he's Charlie Brewer are completely wrong. Like That's the stupidest thing. The stupidest thing. There are things that need to be tweaked, though, that he'll learn in, in the film room. Gosh, I hope so, at least. And we'll break down all tomorrow. It's a big part of tomorrow's show is Blake Shapen and what he adds to the program. Also, Dave Aranda and his press conference that he held this morning now. Yeah, he's got he's got one. Today's Monday. He's got one today. So we'll run clips of that tomorrow and get kind of a more of a 30,000 level foot, a 30,000 30, foot view of Coach Aranda's postgame thoughts on the loss at BYU. And at some point this week, after we get done talking about a double overtime game where three field goals were missed, we're going to get to Baylor and Texas State. I'm Drake Toll at Drake C. Toll on Twitter at Inside the Bears as well. Thank you for making Locked on Baylor your first listen every single week. This has been, always will be. See you tomorrow. Locked on Baylor.